0: Amen to that, hey? Please grab a seat. I'll just come back here a little bit so I'm not in the dark. Well, you have stepped in this morning to join us as we conclude chapter 17 of John's Gospel. And if you've been on this journey with us, you know that since we hit chapter 13... Uh, Right through to 17, it's been pretty much one discourse. It's been Jesus talking to his disciples just before he's about to go and get arrested. And um, it's some really key stuff. And what we're going to look at today is the last part of his prayer, which is in chapter 17. And so many people will, will sort of split this prayer in chapter 17 into three. And it is clearly in three. There's the prayer for himself. The prayer for his disciples and then the prayer for us, future believers. And many people will sort of say, well the first part is Jesus praying that he would be glorified, then he's praying for the disciples to be sanctified, made holy so they can do the thing he's asking them to do and then the last part is for all future believers to be unified. So there's this picture of glorified, sanctified, unified. And so let's get into it, it's seven verses, it's the last part of John chapter 17, I encourage you to open the Bible, get out your phone, some of it will be on the screen but let's look into this together and see what Jesus wants to be saying to us because I think there's something in today's message that is so relevant for the church today. So here we are, this is from verse 20, He says, my prayer is not for them alone, them meaning the disciples he had just been praying for. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. So as I, in this week, I was left with the question, what if this passage, this little prayer, these seven verses, what if this passage was the key informer for mission for the church as we move forward? What if this passage was the key informer for us as the church today? Now, I don't know about you, and I often say this, I will speak for myself, not for you, but if you can relate to this, then please do so. My natural disposition is to be selfish. We are prone, because we can be selfish, we are prone to disunity. That is more often than not the natural outcome of a bunch of selfish people being together, is disunity. At its core, sin is a concentration on the self. And when we gather in a group like this, we settle for politeness and niceness, but we don't always intentionally want to develop intimate relationships. And I reckon our language supports that. We use language like, I go to church or I attend church. The Bible uses language like, you are the church. You can't attend something you are. You can't go to something that you are. The church is us, it's the people. And so to contend for unity as described in this passage, unfortunately, um, it's quite rare for people to really contend for unity. And so it's not unreasonable to suggest we need help to do this. I need help to do this. Now, this passage, um, many many writers, many scholars would, would make the point that, hey, do you know that you're mentioned in the Bible? And then they point to this passage. You know, this passage where Jesus is praying for all future believers, that's you, he's talking about you. And yeah, that's nice, but um, yeah, I don't think that's the purpose of this. So, some people think, oh, this is where I'm mentioned in the Bible. But what if you were actually mentioned in the Bible, by name? And there are a few people, there's quite a few people mentioned by name in the Bible. Have you heard of... Euodia and Syntyche. Have you heard of them? They're mentioned in the Bible, in Paul's letter to the Philippians. Do you know why they were mentioned? Because they were not getting on. Imagine being mentioned for that. Look at this passage. I plead, this is Paul writing to the church in Philippi. I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche. I can't get that name right, to be the same, to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and he asks someone who's his companion, help these women since they have contended by my side in the cause of the gospel along with some others whose names are written in the book of life. So here's two people in the church and Paul saying, hey, the way you two are not unified is not good enough. You need some help in that because there's something powerful about unity in the church that helps spread the gospel. Notice Jesus praise for unity, not uniformity. It seems we've got a bit of a long way to go. Estimates would say there are over 2 billion Christians in the world today. Over 2 billion. And the Centre for the Study of Global Christianity at gordon Conwell Theological Seminary in the US, they particularly look at what's happening in the church. That's, that's their area of study. And they report that as of 2019, now we're talking about unity in the church, as of 2019, there were over 45,000 Christian denominations recognised in the world. Now, by definition, a denomination exists because at some point in time, there was disagreement and disunity and there was a split. 45,000 different Christian denominations. We have a way to go to have unity in the church. Michelle Sanchez is is an Associate Professor of Theology at Harvard and I read a report she wrote and, and it says mostly these splits, these denominations growing and dividing and multiplying is a cause of, well, The reformation was part of it because the part of the reformation was the taking from the catholic church the control of scripture to saying that hey all of us can engage with god personally and so therefore all of us have the right to um, engage with scripture ourselves but with everybody engaging with scripture becomes a whole myriad of interpretations and preferences and thoughts and she writes that As believers debated the scriptures and then the sacraments and then how churches have functioned and organised, churches formed and split based on biblical interpretations, ways of worship, organisational structures and a whole range of other things. And we're left with the church today looking very diverse, which is not a bad thing, but not always unified. So what's the source of our unity? From today's passage, the source of our unity is union with God. Let's look at a couple of passages out out of today. In verse 21, Jesus praying that all of them may be one Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. And he goes on, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity." Now remember, this is in chapter 17. What did Jesus talk about significantly in chapter 15? It was this image of the branches and the vine. This intimate connection, being one, being united. So that's the source of our unity, is our union with God, our connection with God. So what's the reason for our unity? In the same passage we look at this the reason is may they be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me our unity points to those who do not yet know Jesus that Jesus is the Son of God and then a little bit further um, I've given them the glory you gave me and he continues on I and you and you and me Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Maybe the best evangelistic thing we can do as the church is to love one another. Our unity is meant to be visible to others. Our unity is meant to be visible so God will be revealed. Now, it's important to note that disagreement does not have to equal disunity. We don't have to go there. And maturity in the body will help allay some of that. The way we handle disagreements in the church might be the best witness to the world around us. But I know and you know that we don't always do that well. Maybe we need to be countercultural in the way we deal with differences in the church. Yeah, the culture around us, in today's culture, basically it says, if you're not completely for me, if you're not championing me and if you're not affirming me and if you're not condoning every decision I make, then you're against me. That's the culture around us and I think we've brought that into the church to some degree because in the church there's still this flavour at times where if we've got a point of difference and it could be a theological thing, it could be something around doctrine, it could be something around how we practice something, if we have a point of disagreement then we can't relate anymore because, because well, we're not on the same page. This is not the picture Jesus is painting for the church. We are called to pursue unity, not just take it or leave it if it happens to be there, we are called to pursue unity with one another. So the Trinity, God, Father, Son, Spirit, is the picture of unity and the word that has been used in a last couple of weeks uh, perichoresis a, a greek word to describe just the the interaction between father son and spirit and there's this idea that that as each person in the trinity as the father empties himself for the sake of the son The son can receive that love and the son can empty himself for the sake of the Father and for the sake of the Spirit. And as this continual self-emptying of love and devotion um, goes from one to the other, as you're giving that, but you're also receiving that at the same time. And this is just the, the... we, we can't explain the Trinity very well in, in, in words, but there's just this picture of the Trinity, Father, Son, Spirit, continually just deferring to one another in love, giving and receiving. And this is what we have been invited into. That Trinitarian relationship that the Father, Son and Spirit enjoy together, Jesus, uh, over these last few chapters, has been saying, this is what you're invited into. It's an amazing concept. The more we give away, the more we will receive because if one person is showing love and deference and 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 putting and honoring someone above themselves as they do that in community and there's others who have that same mindset and others are doing that to them the more you give the more you're going to receive it's nearly like a human community picture of how the trinity exists it's the same principle that the bible describes for marriage it's the same principle this idea of as you selflessly give of yourself to your, to your spouse, you actually don't, you don't end up with a deficit because when they are inclined to do the same, as much as you give, you are receiving as well. This is the type of society, this is the type of body, this is the type of community, this is the type of church Jesus is pointing to in this prayer. It's the best way of being human, it's the best way of being in relationship with God. Jesus prays for unity. We have read over and over in the last few chapters, He only does and says what He sees from the Father. There is one Spirit. The the whole Trinity is moving towards this prayer being fulfilled. God's greatest desire is for us to know Him and for us to be unified. Look what Paul says about this principle to the church in Ephesus. From chapter 4, he says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. This This is what I was just describing. What we have received is an invitation into the Trinitarian kind of life with God. Live a life worthy of that. Be completely humble and gentle and patient We can't have this position of, I just go to church. God doesn't give us that. It's not an option when we dig into what he's actually calling us to. I can't just attend church. God's calling us to be a community of people who selflessly give of ourselves for the sake of others so that the world will know what God is truly like. This same passage that Paul writes to the Ephesians, Eugene Peterson in The Message, I, I just like verse 3 where he says, A Mark that you do this with humility and discipline, not in fits and starts, but steadily, pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love. Alert at noticing differences and quick at mending fences. That's the type of community I want to be part of. Imagine that community. Imagine how attractive that community is to people who are looking for something that many of us don't know what we're actually looking for. Love is the foundation of our unity. It's linked right back to the great commandment. Jesus says, this is the command, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength and love your neighbour as yourself. Love. Love. Is the ultimate foundation for doing this. The sake of our unity is the mission of God and I'll finish with this. Just before today's passage, the prayer for the disciples, Jesus finished that part of his prayer for the disciples with this from verse 17. Make them holy, this is his prayer for his disciples, make them holy, consecrated with the truth. Your word is consecrating truth in the same way that you gave me a mission in the world, I give them a mission in the world. I'm consecrating myself for their sakes so they'll be truth consecrated in their mission. To be on mission is to be aligned with what God wants and with what God is doing in his world. That's what mission is. That's what the Christian life is about, to be on mission with God. Our unity as the church mirrors the life and reality of the Trinity so those around us can see what God's like. That's our mission. This is how the world will believe. This is how we know the world will, sorry, this is how the world will know that we belong to Jesus by the way we love one another, by seeing our unity in action. What God's doing here. By giving this mission to the church by starting the mission himself by passing it on to his disciples who have passed it on to those who have come after them which is the church today what God is doing is fulfilling the new covenant he's fulfilling the promise he has made when we read in Hebrews chapter 8 this is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel after that time declares the Lord I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. God's desire is to be with us. God has made a way for that to be a reality. He said, I will put my own very my own spirit into you so you can become the type of person through my indwelling transformation. You will become the type of person who is fulfilling the mission that I have into the world to redeem and renew and restore and reconcile all of creation back to the Father. Our Christian life is so much more than believing a few things that are written in the Bible. And we as the church will change the world if we would just grasp that. God's desire is to be with us to be central in our lives. It's why Jesus can say that unless we hate our mother and our father and our siblings we can have no part in being with him. Seems like a hard teaching but he's pointing to a reality, to a, to a family that supersedes our biological and cultural and racial ties. It's called the church. It's not hate he's actually calling for but a realignment of our priorities. Looking forward to what is already true and will be eternally true, that the church is our true family. We struggle with this, I struggle with this, you probably struggle with this because our culture around us promotes a hyper-individualism. Above all else, it's about me and mine. Maybe many of us have responded to an individualised and private faith. So we have no reference for the family of God and the unity that Jesus is calling us to because we're falsely believed that faith can be a private matter and that I can just attend church and I can just believe some things and I will be okay. problem with that is I'm at the centre of that. Can you see today that this prayer of Jesus, as he wraps up the discourse that he spent with the disciples starting in the upper room, the climax of all he has been saying since they gathered to celebrate the Passover, when he washed the disciples' feet as a demonstration of this selfless love and this selfless expression, from declaring he is the way, the truth and the life, From reminding the disciples that they have if they have seen him they have seen the father reminding them that he will send to them the alongside of the holy spirit to be with them forever that they're invited to be so intimately connected with him just like a branch into a vine that there's going to be beautiful fruit produced Reminding them that he's going to defeat death and the grave and usher in a new way to be human and a new way to be with God. And all of this is centred on being united with one another. He finishes with the most important part. Be united to one another. And when we're united to one another, when we're in that self-giving and 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 receiving love, we actually are part of the life of the triune God, Father, Son and Spirit. The mission of God is to reveal the love of God and the character of God. The church is called to embody this message through our unity. We have a choice to make. Do we step into this? Or do we push it aside and do our thing that suits me, that suits you? What if this passage, what if this prayer, what if these seven verses was the key informer for mission as we move forward for the church, as the church? Let me pray for us. Father God, I, I thank you that you pray for us. As evidenced in today's passage, Jesus, long ago you prayed for us, knowing what you desire us to look like, knowing what you've called us to do and to be. My prayer and my prayer for us is that we would have a fresh revelation of what you have invited us into, give us the confidence to step into that have you at the centre of all we do and to love one another in such a genuine way that the world would know that you are the Son of God. Would you help us in that in your name? We need your help. Amen. 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 I don't think there's anything better we could